in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy you're spending some time with us on a free-for-all football Friday. Us being Chip Brown and Zay, the right call, call your Zay, what up, dog? What's bruh. up, man? What's up, bruh. bro? What up, bro? What's up, fam? How you living? Up, fam? How we doing? How we doing? I'm good, man. How you living? Man, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm uh I'm counted down. Had people, I just I just did something that I cannot stand to do. I just went to Costco. Ooh. Which is you you can't get out of there for less than two hundred dollars. I've decided. Yeah. And yeah. so me and the missus, we loaded up. I just unloaded the car. I got a good full sweat working on and bumped into two people who were like, Texas is going to win this weekend. I'm like, if Texas doesn't win this weekend, that cold front moving in on Monday is going to feel like Ooh. hell freezing over. You know what but I'm that, saying? But that air in your tires now, folks. That cold front is going to be crazy this weekend. Cold front. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Go, go look at your weather apps for Monday. Man. So, yeah. Texas. Texas football, baby. Let's see if they can get that intensity back that they had in the first quarter against the Houston Cougs. Because they, be honest, after the first 10 minutes of that football game, 11 minutes of that football game last week. What'd you think? Uh, these boys about to put up 50 on them. 50. Uh, the defense, we'll see what that goes. But yeah, Quinn, yours, we go off for 400 yards. Jonathan I thought Jones. I was going to look like a genius because I, I think I was the only one who said 52 to 17 or something. I said they would get to 50. Yeah, it felt that way. It really did. Just they had 21 in the first quarter. Easy. Easy or 20. Whatever. 21 early second quarter. Yeah. But so hey, I blame Sark for that, man. Gotta read the game. That fake freaking field goal to Burt Auburn. Sideshow Bob. I mean, nice juke move, Bert, but sorry, you didn't get the yardage. Hey, yeah, blame Sarkeesian. Bert put a move on. He he showed some wiggle. He did. Yeah, I agree. Bert did his best. I did blame Sark. Like, it's on Sark. Sark can't have any of those type of issues moving forward. I get it. Mm. You want to put up 50. You were trying to make people like you happy that called that 50 ball, and he was trying to run it up for them style points. Now he's doing it for me. Yeah. (laughs) Man, that would be something. If Steve Sarkeesian ever did something for me, I'd be like, well, Sark, you know, you can have me over for – for dinner at your mansion. I mean, we can hang out if you want, but I don't think that call is ever coming. I'm just saying. Now, do you ever pay attention to L'Oreal Sarkeesian's Instagram? Oh, yes, absolutely. She be showing out every week. Yeah, she's a fashionista. Oh man, it's ridiculous. Now, like she, go, she goes to Milan, per se, Hilton. She goes to Milan. She's like. Is she does she have a fashion line? Is is she involved in marketing fashion? Is she a fashion influencer? Do we know? I want to say she's all the above. I don't know the details, but I think she's 
yeah, she's always going overseas and doing big things in fashion. And yeah, she shows out every game day. Even though some of y'all think that Sark needs to get a new wardrobe, she'd be having him flyer than he's ever been in his life. And yeah, I still don't know how he backed that. Like the man, the man must have game. Say what you want about the money and stuff. Everybody's going to think, yeah, it's because the money. A sister like that, Chip. You got to have a little bit of game. I don't give a damn how much money you got. You got to have a little bit of game, and Sark's got that for sure. But, yeah, that dude, I remember watching that Pivot podcast with Fred Taylor and Ryan Clark and those guys, and they were letting him know when they interviewed him that, dude, we don't know how you did it, but you clearly got your head on straight at this point of your life. And, yeah, man, if – that keeps Sark going. Everybody knows a good woman by your side can keep any man going. And it looks like Sark, he got him one with somebody who's already been through a marriage and has kids and stuff from his previous one. Like, it looks like him and L'Oreal have got a good thing working there. All right. So I'm, we're going to have like a little show prep question right here live on the air. Should we have a Coda text line question? Of the day, yeah, we could do that. I'm good wanna, with that. You, you got, uh, you got any suggestions? What it could be, it could be anything. You could make yeah. it a, you could make it a per se Hilton question. You could make it a, you could make it a, whatever you, whatever you want. Yeah, bet. I'll find whatever. Just hit up hit us up on the code of text line, 512-222-9328, and we'll get it popping. I'll find some questions, see if the good people throw some good stuff at us. Should we, should we throw out – I always – you know, when, you, when we got like a quarterback change, we could say something like, I mean, biggest concern going into the game, biggest concern going into Saturday's game. That's kind of a straightforward football question. Yeah. Yeah, I believe in the people. They'll find something creative, and I'll try to swift through whatever we got here. And, yeah, I'll throw something back at us. But, All right. Coda, yeah, text line, 512-222-9328. And in our chat here on the YouTube, biggest concern going into the game, you, you tell us. And fire off any questions. It's a free-for-all football Friday. Y'all want us to weigh in on some aspect of the football game, Texas-BYU, tomorrow, 2.30 on ABC. Dusty Dvoracek on the call. Um, You know, get in the chat. It's Friday. Let's get after it. I mean, Zay's here. I'm here. We're ready. Zay's got good energy. I mean, he's not doomsaying today. Uh, it's a long show. It's a long show. A long you show. Know, you be getting me going and stuff, and you there be could be some doom. all things. Yeah, there man. Be, it's a long show. some doomsay in here. <laughs> there, yeah. there be I feel some. better with Baker Mayfield losing, I want to say, four out of the last five. That makes me feel a lot better watching that. Because remember how Baker, that energy that he had three weeks ago, almost a month ago at the Cotton Bowl, he was very hype. He gave me that vibe of, oh, man, 
life's good where I am. I got a secure spot. Kyle Trask ain't coming to get my job. You know what I'm saying? I got good receivers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and stuff. Like, I'm good. I'm going to enjoy this Red River shootout. I'm going to talk all this shit about Texas and do all this hating that Baker Mayfield loves to do about an Austin native who's an Oklahoma fan. Like, it's just have things gone sour for him since being the guest picker at the Red River Shootout? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he hasn't won since. Dude hasn't won since. Yeah, losing four of the last five. I think they've lost three straight. You saw them lose to Detroit during the bye. Like, yeah, man. And Baker got kind of lucky yesterday, too. That pass to Mike Evans hitting off of a defender's head. And then the two-point conversion got tipped for a score. So, even though the Bills kind of finessed that one for a dub, only winning by six, Baker and Tampa Bay, they didn't play well. They didn't. And, yeah, that's feeling a little bit chipper today when it comes to seeing Baker Mayfield, especially with OU beating Texas. That's just, yeah, I don't want anything positive going on. Like, C.D. Lamb, you could do well. He don't be talking mess about Texas, really. But Baker, oh, yeah, he makes it personal. And, hey, this is what it is. Get back to the drawing board, Mr. He kind of invites stuff on himself, doesn't he? That's it. Like, he wants this. You know what I'm saying? Like, you remember back when he didn't shake the kid's hand against Kansas. You know, during the captain toss or whatever, like the dude's an ass, flat out. Running and I liked Kobe. him coming out of Lake Travis, man. I was, I was like backing him. Yes, so was I. Was I. Like, Why isn't he getting recruited? This guy, all he does is win. He's a scrappy fighter. Yeah. And now, I'm happy for him. I'm glad he got first round, first pick money. I'm glad he's had all those commercials where he was locked out of the Brown stadium and he couldn't that, get that in. That was good. That's the best Baker's ever been. Yeah. yeah. And then, <laughs> and then it all changed and listen, I know it's cliche, but NFL, not for long, yep. right? When you think you're there, right? When you think you've settled in, right? When you think you're irreplaceable and invaluable record scratch yep. and Baker. Now he's been Carolina, L.A. Rams and the Bucks, four teams in three years. Damn. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like you, he could keep his mouth shut. If he kept his mouth shut, Chip, I could root for the guy because he is an Austin Knight. Me and him have that bond. Like he's been to the same Barton Creek Mall that I have multiple times. You know, he's done. You know, going to Barton Springs, going down to 6th Street. Baker has lived an Austin life. I appreciate that as somebody born in these parts. So we have a connection there, but he makes it hard. He makes it hard. You said it right. Like he invites it on himself. And yeah, it's as Bryce Young about not for long. Obviously, the Carolina Panthers are going to give him a lot of opportunities and stuff. He's the first-round pick, and he could get better. Peyton Manning had like 20-some interceptions his rookie year. But, oh boy, oh, and seven. He ain't never felt this type of defeat in his life, especially playing for Nick Saban, former Heisman Trophy winner. So now you're the worst team in the league. You're hoping that you could get that number one pick. So you get Marvin Harrison Jr. So Bryce Young, Marvin Harrison Jr. For Panthers fans sake could, you know, go on to have a nice 10 year plus career. But 
yeah, man, it's it could get real, real fast. Like Caleb Williams, you asking for, you know, state and whatever team that drafts you. Okay, bro, you better worry about being a Southern Cal because you struggled with Notre Dame. And even though you played better, your team lost to Utah, third loss to Utah in the last two years. So you're starting to show your flaws now is, you know, the windy stuff. You heard Lance Taylor the other day talk about the Dr. Pepper curse. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't let things get too far ahead to where you ain't focusing on the objective, and that's winning football games. Because, you know, the pros, yeah, they got endorsements. Yeah, they got their ads and stuff. But when you're a 20-year-old kid, 18, 19, 21, 22-year-old kid still in college, still having to go to class – that could be a lot. You know what I'm saying? That could be a lot. So, yeah, sometimes guys need to get humbled and the best ones overcome the adversity and become great and deal with the losing. As Michael Jordan used to say, he didn't understand winning until he started losing. He understand what it meant to him. And then, you know, Jordan took off from there. So, yeah, some athletes, they need to be humbled sometimes. And I think Baker Mayfield's one of them. Bryce Young, definitely one of them. And Caleb Williams, one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Hey, listen. And all that stuff about Caleb Williams this week, I don't know how much of that is true. But he needs to uh, – and I, I like – well – I'm a Heisman Trophy voter, and I try not to let the little semantical things get in the way. I mean, I voted for Caleb Williams, but that whole F Utah on the knuckles, that wasn't that wasn't smart. He hasn't beaten them yet. Yeah. Yeah. Just gotta, Sometimes you just got to be the guy in the weeds who comes out and gets people, you know? Right. Don't announce, don't announce yourself. Yeah. I mean, if you're Muhammad Ali, that's one thing, but that's a one man show. I mean, if you're a fighter, fine, but football, you need a defense too. Yeah. I don't know. All right. We got a couple questions coming in here on a free for all football Friday. Mike Terry says biggest concern is that Sark will not run the football enough to win. This is a 45-plus runs game no matter who the QB is. I would say that's almost true every game for Texas right now with Jonathan Brooks. I mean, look at the way that Mike Gundy and Ollie Gordon and, I mean, Oklahoma State looked dead in the water. Gundy was rotating three different quarterbacks. They were getting beat by South Alabama 33-7. to Then he settles in on Allen Bowman, and he settles in on Ollie Gordon and suddenly Oklahoma State's beating K-State. They've won three in a row. They look like a team that might show up on their home field against Oklahoma, even though Mike Gundy is 3-15 and 15 against OU, which is confounding to me. Like, they own Texas, Oklahoma State, in Austin. They had a five-game winning streak against Texas, the longest winning streak of any team, any time in Texas football history in Austin against Texas. And Mike Gundy couldn't find a way to beat OU in some of those years. Three and 15, Zay. Mm. So 
and Gundy, what did Gundy say? Everyone's like, uh, you running Ollie Gordon too much? 29 times each of the last two games. He's like, no, this guy gets stronger as the game goes on. Feel free to run Jonathan Brooks 20 plus and early and often and sprinkle some CJ Baxter in there. That's fine. But I need a healthy dose of Jonathan Brooks because he's different. He breaks tackles. I went back and watched the Texas Houston game, Zay. That 16 yard run for a touchdown by CJ Baxter was beautiful, but it was perfectly blocked. No one touched him. Like DJ Campbell got a great second level block and then Jordan Whittington came over and capped the safety and CJ ran in untouched. He caught a swing pass and got tackled by the first guy. Jonathan Brooks doesn't get tackled by the first guy. It's almost like never does he get tackled by the first guy. And sometimes you see him go into a crowd and you're like, okay, he's down. And then he comes out of it and still is, I mean, he's got great contact balance. And I just think, I don't know what it is, but people aren't valuing Jonathan Brooks with the contact balance, the hands, the confidence. You can see his confidence growing. Yeah. Feed the feed the beast when he's running like that. Yeah, I agree. You know, Jonathan Brooks, especially with Malik Murphy getting the star, he should be the focal point of this Texas offense. And hell, if has to be 30 touches. 28, I don't necessarily need like carries, but just get him the ball. You know, they yeah. did some really good things. I like that, you know, screen pass in the middle of the field opposed to the sideline that they did with Jonathan yep. Brooks. That's some good stuff. Maybe you yep. should bring that, that back. That was a big play. That was a huge play. And that was like a third and 13. Right, right. And obviously BYU, they're going to scout that thing. But, you know, just get the ball in 24's hands as much as possible so you can allow Malik Murphy, when it's time to make those throws, you could give him easier throws because BYU is so concerned with the run game. And this is a BYU defense who isn't the best at stopping the run. I want to say they're almost allowing five yards per carry. So, hey, even though everybody gets in for Texas and – when I went to go fill up my tires, I saw a couple of BYU people riding around in scooters. So they play out here. They can't wait. They know that record against Texas over the course of both of the teams playing one another. The, those Taysom Hill Day, yeah, I know, right? It's Halloween, but when you think of that, that might be the scariest thing you see in the next few days. That's, that's the other thing, Zay, is that it's Halloween. Mm. And crazy things happen on Halloween. We're not, it's not Halloween yet. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to chill on that for a second, but yeah, Halloween. That's when Texas went to Nebraska in 98 and ended Nebraska's 47 game home winning streak and started this free, freaking mystical command over the Huskers nine and one Texas was against Nebraska in their time together in the big 12 it's crazy, and I'm ready for Sark. I've said this all week. Sark has the secret sauce as a BYU alum. He can reverse the curse here. He can do it. Yeah. Now, uh, did you see the little the clip that Texas football put out of the little compilation of Steve Sarkeesian during his BYU days? Doing the lasso? Yes. 
yo, he can't get on nobody ever for doing a celebration. With that BS that we saw, Sark, no, man. You didn't like it? You didn't like the goal? You didn't like the lasso? It's fine, but it's a little cheesy. That's what I'm saying. When you ask about L'Oreal, how'd he get that? That lasso stuff? (laughs) Ain't no way she saw that and was like, oh, this is a cool guy. But, yeah, man, that Sark was slinging that thing. He was slinging that thing back in the mid-90s, man. I like what Texas football, their uh, social media team, did with that, putting a little compilation of some of his highlights. But, yeah, man, it's... You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. They, they. What? This is an interesting test that the horns have. You know. Where, what was your uh, like celebration? move did you have a like a big um i did the airplane kobe thing a few times like after you hit a big shot like i hit some huge like aau i would always hit like game winners and clutch stuff never with Bowie. never had those chances with Bowie. but yeah in aau i would always just hit big shots and yeah, Kobe would always do the flying thing because he was so damn clutch. And I just loved watching Kobe play. So, yeah, I stole that from him. But, nah, nothing nothing crazy. Again, coach's son, I can't – CeCe was real strict about that stuff. So, I had to be careful. But Yeah, you had to – Yeah. You had to keep it in check. When you win a match in your tennis games, champ, what do you do? Oh, now I just – Try to make it over to the bench to get some water. <laughs> so when I was in high school, five slam jamma was rolling. And so we had like our tennis warm-up sweatshirts and we had nicknames on the back. Okay. And I had Akeem. What? <laughs> I loved five slam jamma Right. Oh yeah. Now my my teammates called me Ripper because I was just always trying to hit it as hard as I could, and and I was kind of a I was kind of an ass. Like, what is that in tennis? Oh yeah, man. Like, you know, you get to the net, you're like you're putting overheads right at somebody, and I was. Yeah, I was kind of wound up. Like I was high energy on the that's court. What I'm about. Yeah, that sounds like a winning mentality to me. Yeah. I uh so this is a funny story. I played my senior year, and I played at Kalamazoo Lloyd Norrix High School. I was in the same district with East Lansing and Todd Martin, who would go on to play for the US Open title in 1999 against Andre Agassi a freshman and he and I played for the championship in our conference tournament and 
he won the first set six, three, and I had him, you know, I was in a tiebreaker with him in the second set. It beat me six, three, seven, six. And like, that's kind of like a, a thing for me. Cause yeah, that's dope. But he was only six, one. Then he grew five inches. Oh, and so by the time he was a senior in high school, he was six, six damn and serving rockets. So that's my little disclaimer, but yeah, uh, Sean and I got him on the radio and he was great. He played along. I was like, Todd, do you remember playing me for the conference championship? And he's like, no, <laughs> But I knew Todd from covering pro tennis. So we set it up. He was great. And uh, because like now he's head of the tennis hall of fame out in Rhode Island. Oh, I'll be there. Yeah, he was like big in US USA tennis, Davis Cup, all that. Great ambassador for US tennis. But yeah, man, that was uh that was your boy back in the day. See, I I was supposed to. I was supposed to play the semifinals of the club championship this morning. Yeah, what happened with that? And the courts didn't dry in time. Oh, yeah. Because all the rain and blah, blah, blah. So now we're looking like Wednesday morning. Yeah, yeah I can't have you pulling a Kevin Durant and slipping and busting ass and being out for multiple weeks. We can't have that, you know. You're you're a big part of what we do here, not only on Chip and Zay, but on Texas Sports Unfiltered and Horns 24-7. So you got a lot going on. We don't need you having a slip-fall moment. That's a good call to yeah. postpone a little bit. And I'm playing the uh, finals. Actually, I'm, I don't know what it is. I won my flight in the singles match play at the club. Now I'm in this, like, final six, and I'm playing on Sunday morning my singles match play, which hopefully is before that cold front comes through. But I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. So, yeah. so yeah. Did, did me and Sean play tennis in the uh, Sean and Chip Olympics? No, we agreed that we would not play tennis and I would not run a 200 against Sean. So we took those <laughs> off the table. That's fair. We did fast walking though. And Sean was like, this is a white, some white guy invented this sport, fast walking. Like they got sick and tired of getting beat by all the brothers in trap. <laughs> so they invented fast walking and i beat him at that and he was like this is ridiculous oh, so man. yeah wow. that uh great we did that out at mccallum now that i look back on it my yeah. daughter's future high school um all right this comes in how many first downs will texas get on the first drive i'll say three um I'm going to go out on the limb. Two, Keelan Robinson, great kick return. We found something in him. That I've been saying it all year long. Give me something, Jeff Banks, special teams. And Sark talked about it in the press conference, and he said, yeah, it's not just the returner. Are we getting the right blocks? Obviously, they haven't been against Houston. They did a way better job. 
at that. There, that's I want to see that. You got to keep that moving because, especially with Malik Murphy, I expect him to do well, but to make his life as easy as possible. Good field position, you know, got to have just great punts. Everything needs to work in Malik Murphy's favor to where he's not, you know, in the back of his own end zone type stuff. We don't need any of that. We need to put him in solid situations. And if the Horns can make any moves, Xavier Worthy, Keelan Robinson on kicking punt return, that's obviously going to be beneficial to this team's success tomorrow at 2.30. I like that. I like that. Speaking of first drive and driving, how about Apple leasing? How about getting into the car? You really want to be driving. You pick the make and model any make and model of car. This is the beauty of Apple leasing. And you get into a new car, a better car than you thought you could afford because you're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car. And you're picking it. I mean, whether you want to be in a truck, a sports car, I mean, he'll go get you a Lamborghini if that's what you want. Scott Crossett, my man at Apple Leasing. And here's the thing. You get into that car and say two, three years into the lease, you're like, you know what? I want to try a different make and model of car. No problem. The easy lease at Apple Leasing. Like I've changed make and models of car a bunch of times. And you're, you know, in a new car every two, three years, your friends are going, what's going on? You're like, Apple Leasing. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So go to the website, check it out, appleleasing.com. Check out the, you know, what you got. You want to keep your car payments in the $400 range, whatever. They're going to work with you, make it happen. Appleleasing.com. Because sometimes you go buy a new car, you drive it off the lot. It depreciates like thousands of dollars, just like that. You don't have to worry about that with Apple Leasing. Because like I said, you're not paying for the future trade-in value of the car. You're only paying for the car while you're driving it. So get into a new car today. You're like, oh, I can't afford it. Yeah, you can. Apple Leasing. AppleLeasing.com. Give them a call. 512-346-9977. 346-9977. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. Um, Zay, I look at this. I look at this game tomorrow. And this is a mindset game for sure. Um, this is a This is a game where the Texas Longhorns should be rallying around each other and saying, let's go show everybody what we're about. We got a backup quarterback in here who apparently has a connection with everyone in the locker room, according to Michael Taff. I mean, David Benda, David Benda couldn't say enough good things about Malik Murphy. He's like, I'm really excited for him. I'm really excited for him. Like, and this is the guy who Malik came out of the shower to, grab the auxiliary cord from and he's still excited about Malik getting this opportunity but this I want to see these guys if the, if all that's true then let's see it let's see it on the field let's see how that goes I want to see some energy I, I don't have any problem with Quinn yours guys good ball player and the quarterback doesn't need to be a big energy guy look at Aaron Rodgers, he's as subdued as they come. You know, some quarterbacks are intense and you can feel their energy coming off the field. Other quarterbacks, low key. Nick Foles, low key as can oh, yeah. be, won a Super Bowl. It's not about that. It's just about 
are your teammates ready to to go to war with you for you and receivers make plays for the quarterback block downfield for the running back all that stuff and i just want to see energy coming off the field like like we saw and and it took a minute in the Kansas game but to me that's probably the the best two and a half quarters we've seen i mean alabama was good pretty much all the way through but how about a home game <laughs> how about a how about a complete home game you know what i mean like yeah. the biggest complete game texas has played this year was at alabama and it was because they knew they had to like when you know you have to bring it every minute of 60 minutes which is really three and a half hours then they showed they could do it now we know they can do it so that should be every freaking saturday you know the great programs alabama for the last decade georgia for the last five years they bring it intensity they want to embarrass you they want to put your face in the dirt they want to break your will as fast as possible and that's what i want to see that's what i want to see tomorrow and i want to see really good energy in the texas secondary i want to see all those dudes hyped ready to go i want to see jaron thompson with some confidence you know get your head up man you're a good player don't let the don't let a bad play beat you twice or get you down and and you're the leader you're the senior back there you can't be like uh you can't be that not with Derek williams out there not with keaton crawford i mean he needs to be the guy that's like leading and telling everyone you know hey it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine and i don't I didn't get that vibe from him the last, certainly the last game, really kind of since he dropped the interception and against OU, right? Yeah. Yeah, because he got down on himself, as you mentioned, after the late hit on Dylan Gabriel. Like, he's made some very just ill-advised mistakes that you don't make with somebody with his experience. And I'm right there with you, Chip. I need that guy to be locked in. Him and Keaton Crawford, along with the rest of the secondary. You know, Derek Williams, as good as he's been, he's still a freshman. So there's times where it's obviously shown that Pete Kwiatkowski doesn't have confidence in him just because he doesn't necessarily know everything that you need to know for this defense to really execute out there so yeah the energy it has to be there and I love that this team is back in Malik Murphy like this I love that they have confidence in him I love his presence in the locker room and we had somebody yesterday in our comic session talk about he just kind of has a Vince Young vibe now I don't know if that's just because he's a brother but VY he just everything came out that was confident. Now he had the game to back it up. So it made it a little easier and we still don't know yet with Malik Murphy. I mean, I'm not trying to compare the two. That's very unfair to Malik, but you hope that that swagger goes out on the field and everybody knows that, Hey, we're still going to be able to win games, even though he's our backup quarterback. And, you know, that's, that's key for a really good team. Now I'm still concerned about the injuries 
and what that means, even though Ryan Watts seems like he's going to be clear to play a hamstring injury. That's just one thing that can really linger, especially if you make the wrong move. So hopefully that guy's going to be good to go and be able to play from here on out. But BYU, they have their fair share of injuries also. And Texas not allowing that to get to them, even though Jake Majors came back and was solid against U of H he's still banged up. This offensive line is still banged up. And I think this is the game that you can really get JT Sanders back out there. I don't think we've mentioned him much. You know, he had a couple of decent catches against U of H, but I don't know where that ankle's at. I feel like it should be more healthy than it was during the Oklahoma game. Let's get him back in the mix. That dude's just too talented. That dude's just too versatile, and he gives you too much. He could be that security blanket for Malik Murphy because he's just such a big target and such a matchup problem. So for a defense in BYU that obviously has nobody that can match up with zero, let's get him some touches early because in that Alabama game, he was – probably the underrated MVP over a hundred yards, you know, in that game, even though Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Wordy had touchdowns, JT Sanders ability to get the ball up the field and move the chains. That's huge for this Texas offense. And I think if you get him involved early, because he needs his confidence back. You mentioned Jaron Thompson. I, he needs to get back to that guy that we saw against Baylor that was doing those one handed Odell Beckham jr. Like snags. Like we need to see that from that dude because he is a dude. And Hey, Brock Bowers is out a few games. People are going to be looking at, okay, Who's the best tight end right now? You want to step up and show that you are. And, yeah, I think that will obviously help Malik Murphy out, especially if you can get that run game going. Yeah. Let me – I'm going to try some – let me know if you can hear this. This is David Benda. All right, never mind. (laughs) That was quick. Yeah, that was quick. I mean, you do a bootleg like I do with the phone. People can hear that. It's bootleg as hell, you know, a little ghetto, but it's all right. We need some of that sometimes, man. Sometimes you got to be humble, man. Yeah. Like I said earlier, sometimes you got to take it back to the roots. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to get break out that VCR and, hey, it's a throwback, but it still works. I know y'all nostalgic about that VCR. I miss the VCR, man. Just, hey. It might take a little bit to rewind to that part I need to see, but hey, it is what it is. There's something good about the classics, man. All right. Here's uh okay, here's this is David Bender. This is bootleg as hell. You ready? <laughs> Obviously, Quinn, I know he he has a lot of a road to recovery and it's going to be he's going to work hard every day he's going to bring his best just, that's the type of leader he is even just today he's been talking to the guys encouraging them and letting them know that we got this and just seeing that level of encouragement from him as a leader has been really it's allowed me to have confidence and knowing Malik will be ready and it's also this next man up I'm very confident Malik and I know that the way Sark, Coach Sark has built our team is just we have guys ready in the two deep and the three deep just ready to showcase their talent someone said Malik's the mayor of the locker room you said the mayor? Yeah. <laughs> you, Malik, yeah, Malik is always patrolling and he has control of the Hawks typically, but like if we don't want to listen to Cali music, we should usually get him off that. But yeah, he usually tries to leave, run around, leave. He's got that 
big personality. <laughs> yeah, he, he do. He do. He just be wrong, make confidence, just be joking around with other guys. He do have that mirror like inside. You've never had tackled him, have you? Oh, that's funny because like yeah. in practice, we usually don't tackle the quarterbacks. He threw, I think it was a couple, I want to say like what, a year, two years ago? Yeah, two years ago, he threw a pick. So then to one of our safeties and I'm, I'm doing convoy. Like I'm, I'm trying to lead block, and then Malik comes up to me, just lays me out. <laughs> like he lays me out. But then in my head, I'm like, I'm not touching the quarterback. Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that threat. Right. Like I'm smarter than that. He just lays me out. I think, I think Coach Miller got him. He's like, all right, you, are, you poked the bear. You chose your battle. <laughs> and we're in the bubble one time. And what was it? I think. I, I, I want to say no, I wasn't pick, but. And I was, and then I saw him coming down, and I, yeah, I gave it to him. So we, we're one for one. Yeah, you know, we're one for one right now. Did he remember? Oh, yeah. He definitely remembered that. Oh, nah. It was like a ride. It was like a, a little scrimmage pass. So it was a ride. Heck, heck yeah. David, when he's on the Ox, what's he playing? Like, usually Cali stuff. Like, who are you playing? Like, I don't even know their names. We usually play Blue Bucks. Blue Bucks playing for sure. Uh, what else? You usually play some old stuff too, some like older tunes on the guys I even know about, but yeah, most of just Cali stuff. You like the taste? Sometimes, yeah, but there's other times where I'm not really like messing with it. Yeah, I'll just be like, because he was just keep it going with it. I like my variety, you know. I like just sticking to like similar, like a few artists. That's yeah. a- was a retro freshman in charge of the Ox. How does how does that happen? <laughs> well, it's it's a funny thing. Like most guys, usually don't want to go to like they don't want to accept the challenge because getting Ox in the locker room, like, you're at the mercy of the locker room. If they don't like it. You're getting off. So with him, he sort of just walked up there, plugged it in. I think oh yeah, one time he's going to the showers. I changed the song. He came out like. Just came out mid shower, just <laughs> took the phone off. So like, what you doing? And I was like, bro, what? Yeah. <laughs> I said, bro, what? And then he just looked at me and said, yeah. Why put it back in? So don't ever do it again. I was like, okay. Bro, I was like, all right, bro, you got it, right. So it helps to be six six. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> He's a big kid. I was like, all right, you got it, bro. Yeah. He says he's six four. <laughs> Jack. Right. There you go. Pretty good, man. Did it sound okay? Yeah, that was good. That was good. Hey, man, we got, we are, we got it, man. That's what I'm saying. That's what else you want to hear? (laughs) I got all these interviews. What else you got, man? Yeah, we uh, we we got uh, we can play all the hits. Yeah, um, yeah, they they've been the him being from Katie. I'm guessing that he's used to that Houston music, which I don't know if he's about the old school like H Town music with the DJ Screws and the little flips and little Kikis of the world. You know, he's a younger dude, so he might be like the Maxo Creams or Travis Scotts of the world. You know, what I'm saying Sauce Walker. So it's is it. From a huge hip hop fan going from listening to that type of music to Cali music, whatever that may be, you know, E40 or Too Short, or you go down Southern California. I know you're a big Ice Cube fan, you know, Snoop, Dre, G Funk stuff. Like it's a difference. So if you're used to one and you jump to the other, you know, you got to have a very just huge variety of tastes. 
to really enjoy both. Like you got to be a huge hip hop fan, but I know some Houston dudes, they won't even touch that West Coast stuff. Yeah. Well, Bob wants to know, Zay, my boy, what you say about Malik stepping in? Uh, I say that got to make life easy for him. I think he has all the potential to make some big plays. I hope Sark keeps the playbook open as if Quinn Ewers was taking the snaps against BYU, but you also have to make it, you have to make it suited for him. You got to do what he does well and make life as easy as possible for him. And everybody has to do their part from the offensive line. Got to get that run game going. We talked about that with Jonathan Brooks and CJ Baxter. And I just mentioned JT Sanders. I think he could be Malik Murphy's best friend just because he's such a matchup problem. But the defense, they got to make life easy for him too. Hell, everybody. You know, Sanborn with the punts, like Sark with his play calling, you know, just everything has to be on point to help out Malik Murphy coming into his first start. And even though he has all the confidence in the world, he'll probably be a little nervous a couple of drives. So to get him settled in as quick as possible, that's going to be key. But, yeah, I got Texas winning this game, and I think Malik Murphy, he could have a a very good one. All right, here – since we're on the, I'm on the ox now. Here is Christian Jones. Christian Jones on why he thinks Malik Murphy is ready. I think he's ready for this stage this weekend. Uh, I think he's ready because of the work that he's put in behind the scenes every single day. Uh, in the off season, he's always the last one to leave the, the the facility, the locker room, the weight room, putting in extra work. And uh, I feel like the moment is not too big for him. I feel like he's he's ready for it. And uh, I know that as a unit, as offensive lineman and myself, uh, we're going to do everything in our power to give him ample time and make him feel as, as comfortable as possible to succeed in that position in that role. Christian, you played a lot of football here. How often do you see a team just throw an entirely completely different defensive look at? All right, and then now this this from Christian Jones. I asked him what it's like to be blocking for Jonathan Brooks in the fourth quarter when everything, you know, starts working and it's all going downhill. Um, well. Okay, before I get to that, since I've I've got him talking about Savion Red, you'll like this, Zay. This is Christian Jones talking about Savion Red and why he's been successful at converting all of his his uh you know Savion Red Cat quarterback situations. I think his his mentality. I think Red is the type of person who uh, is the ultimate competitor, does not want to lose in anything at all. And, um, I mean, it's just simple, like, just has the ball in his hands, does not want to go down, he's going to get the first down, and uh, nothing is really going to stop him. So that little, like, Marshawn Lynch in him, I feel like is the reason why he's so effective. And um, I do believe that um, opportunities will come. And uh, for us, we had to be uh, on top of our game. We had to be ready for the opportunity to come so you could uh, seize it. And exactly what, what he did, you know, he got uh, – uh, three, four plays and 
very, very impactful plays that changed the, the, the game. So it um, doesn't really matter how, how many plays you get. It matters what you do with it. And that's a real testament to that right there. Little Marshawn Lynch. Yo, man. That's – I like that. Hey, you got to watch somebody, you know, try to emulate your game after. And Savion Red, just all the positions that he's gone through from being a quarterback in high school, coming to Texas as a wide receiver, and now being moved as a running back. Like, just all – he's kind of puts it all together and how he plays. And, yeah, Joe, I like Red Cat, too. I've been saying Wildhorn, but we can run with both. Um that Xavier Red is just an angry son of a bee. Like the way he runs, he talk about energy. He has a ton of energy. I love the clip of him and Trey Wisner after the game and how hyped they were, you know, beating Houston because they knew just how big those guys were quietly in that game. And yeah, I I don't know where else you could put Savion Red to get him more touches because that would clearly take away what Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter, who looks like he might be coming into his own after a solid showing against U of H. But, hey, get it where you fit in, man. If you could, if you get in those fourth down situations, which you know it's coming, but also with what they showed against Oklahoma Chip and him throwing it to Gunner Helm, yeah, a lot could be thrown at you when he gets behind center and does some things. And he could also hand that thing off in an RPO situation. So what they've done, you know, with Savion Red coming in the game, that's been really good for Sark. And it's been pretty underrated this whole season just on the execution that we've seen. So, yeah, I expect Savion Red, if they get in those short yard situations or on the goal line, especially with how bad they've been in the goal line over the course of the season, mix it up and give it to number 17 because he wants the ball and he's fresh. He's fresh as hell because, again, he ain't playing much. So right. he's fresh. He's amped up. He's juiced up and ready to go. Again, love the Marshawn Lynch comparison, but hopefully he just watches him on the field and not off the field. Because <laughs> Marshawn's a little batshit crazy. I love him off the field. He's hilarious. But in some, some he ain't all there. I know he took a lot of shots. I don't know if it's CTE, but he ain't all there. That's for sure. Something's a little off on Marshawn. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, this is – so I'm, I asked Christian Jones. I said, what's it like when – Jonathan Brooks running the fourth quarter. He's ripping off these long runs. And here's what Christian Jones said. Um, I feel like it's like those boxing movies, like kind of where the dude's getting a couple gut punches and you kind of see the movie swing, like the Rocky movies, you know what I mean? And like the music starts coming on. So, I mean, I feel like that's how we, we feel like uh, during the game. Momentum, definitely just being able to, to take him in and move him uh, against his will from point A to point B. And uh, moving the ball, man, just body shots, body shots after body shots. And after after a certain time, they, they start to fold, they start to crumble. So it's a, it's a great feeling. We love running the ball, and uh, we're excited for it. Christian, you didn't say Come on, Zay. Okay. It's like Rocky. Can you hear that Rocky music coming up right now? Adrian. Adrian. Yo, that Rocky music was classic, man. Hey, I kid you not. CC would play Rocky before every Westlake game. I love CC. 
Every Westlake game would play the Rocky soundtrack in practice just to get everybody juiced up. You know, all that crazy stuff. DC and I are one in the same. Yeah. (laughs) We could play the Rocky soundtrack for the rest of the show and talk over it. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll... I'll, I'll Talk over it. <laughs> oh, Yo, I am a tiger. That's my joint, man. You can't. We are as ghetto that. as it comes right now. <laughs> we are as ghetto as it comes. We are so ghetto. Oh my gosh! Damn, that's funny. Oh, we are <laughs> hey, so. So, so, like, go to the comment section to my man, Daddy Trill, Bed Bedif. Who's out here talking about giving my brother and them buckets back during his high school days? But man, what is that? Is that you ready? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, man. So you love Rocky, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Which is the best one to you? Oh, sorry. I don't know what the hell that was. I don't know what that is either. So what's your favorite Rocky? Mr. T, Drago, number four. I love Rocky one, but Rocky four is probably right there. I'm with you. That's the best one. That's the best one. Because it's not only good. I mean, the acting is the acting, whatever. But the storyline, you know, having my man, uh, Michael B. Jordan's daddy, Creed. That dude dying, like, even though that's pretty dark. James Brown coming out singing, in America. And then my man dies on the mat. If he dies, he dies. It don't get better than that, man. If he dies, he dies. Yeah, dog. Rocky training in the snow. Come on, man. That blue-collar training. None of that steroid shit that Drago was doing. Oh, yeah. That was it. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you feel it? Not you yet. Used to, used to practice every day to this because CC was like. Not silly. every day. Every Westlake game. Every Westlake buildup. I feel like it was a little bit more up-tempo. Yeah. It, yeah. Like, it gets I the Tigers it. what I really remember. That's the one that really got me going. All right, I'll try and find all the the up-tempo stuff. Yeah, man. But that's what I'm talking about. Christian my Jones guy. got an old soul, man. I like Christian Jones. I know he's a six-year senior, senior, so he's almost like 30. But he got an old soul. He he does. For somebody that's playing uh, college football to talk about Rocky and stuff like that. I really appreciate Christian Jones, which I don't think we talk about him enough, Chip. That dude, he's been so good, especially with where he's came from when he was on that left side and used to get eaten alive. And he knew, he knew he wanted to see what he could do in the NFL and he used to put out more film, but him becoming a right tackle this season, he's been solid. See, right, I, Daddy, Daddy Trill, bad F. Said he played against your brother. Yeah, I don't remember. He said that Crockett used to give him buckets. Damn. I don't, 
CC used to lose to Crockett a little bit in the 90s, but I don't remember Crockett ever being like that early 2000s. My brother graduated in 03. It was a two-year varsity letterman, so I don't know. I don't remember. I was young in the game, but I don't remember. I never lost to Crockett. I'll tell you that. But they had some guys, man. Man, Tyron Williams, he was nice. You know, that's my guy. I see him from time to time in the ATX. But, yeah, I, mm, don't remember that. You're going to have to show me some max preps there. My man, <laughs> Daddy Trail. I'm going to have to see. Oh, he said we lost, but I got mine. <laughs> that's what everybody says. I feel you. I feel you, man. That's what it's all about. You can't worry about the rest of them teammates. You got to get your buckets in. Oh, see, we lost, know, but man. I got mine. I got mine. Hey. It is what it is, kind of like Kevin Durant last night, 39 points and a loss. No Devin Booker, no Bradley Bill, KD. God, it's going to be sad when he retires, Chip. Like, just watching them last night. Like, I know Wimbenyama's the new wave, and everybody can't wait to see what he does. And I'm part of that wave, too. But Kevin Durant, the shot making, he was getting double teamed in the corner and he just shot over the two dudes like they weren't even there. Just cash, just off the dribble stuff like nobody seven foot should make it look that easy. And yeah, that's the reason why they got the new practice facility down at the 40 acres named after him. Like he's that's all I was thinking last night watching that because I knew he was going to show out. No Devin Booker, no Bradley Beal, which is the reason why I have the Suns winning the whole thing because both of those guys with KD, I don't know how you stop it. Obviously, everybody has to stay healthy, and I know you got the Nuggets. But, man, those two guys being out, KD had to score. And he's one of those dudes that he's just going to put up shots because he knows he can't be stopped and you can't contest it. And that was the easiest 39 I've seen, but the Lakers still got the dub. That LeBron James guy is pretty good too. Durantula. Durantula, man. Just right. getting in the lane, mid-range, getting to the cup, taking contact, finishing, blocking shots, just – Top 10 player ever, in my opinion. I might be a little bit of a homer. I really don't give a damn. Top 10 player of all time. Yeah. Miss me with all that. Miss me with all that warrior stuff, and he don't got the heart of a lion. I ain't trying to hear that. He won rings. He was the best player on those Warriors teams. Would I have done it? No. If I'm losing to the Warriors and I'm with OKC, I'm going to stick it out. But that's just me. KD said, hey, this is my job. Any of us. We have an opportunity to get a better job. We always take it. So why can't hey, athletes do it? If you had to play with with Westbrook for however many years and try to guess what mood that guy was in every night, yeah, you'd be like, I'm going to Golden State, man. Right. We're going to play with some fun, great guys. We're going to kick so much ass. A better coach. Better like coach. All right. Oklahoma. Who would you – Texas fans, would you rather live in Oklahoma – or California. Obviously, you want to stay in Texas, but if you had to choose, come on, man. It ain't even a question. Oklahoma's, even where all the, question. Oklahoma's where all the crickets come from. Yeah. All right. Here's uh, one more from Christian Jones. Then I'm going to play one from Michael Taff on Malik's Malik Murphy, his energy. He works, man. You know, straight, just simple like that. Every day, he don't really talk much. He's, he's not a, a slacker. He doesn't come in late. He doesn't miss meals. He doesn't miss weigh-ins. He's early. You know, he studies his film. 
He knows his playbook. Uh, he's, he's friends with everyone. He's nice to every single body in the facility. And uh, he's just a stand-up individual. So to not gravitate towards someone like that would be very extremely hard to do. And uh, that's just a credit to him and his uh, his values, his morals. And, uh, yes, sir. So, um, he, uh, he's got this, you know, he's got a big presence in the locker room. Um, here is Michael Taff talking about Malik Murphy. And I thought this was really interesting because, um, obviously Michael Taff's on the defensive side of the ball and, um, here is Michael Taft talking about Malik Murphy. I think everybody would say the same thing. Um, hands down, one of the hardest workers on our team. You know, I think his confidence in himself to just know that he can make every throw on the field um, is really, really cool. I think the other thing is the whole locker room loves him. I think everybody um, in, in the locker room would say that they have a personal connection with Malik, and that's really cool. Um, you know, he's not a people pleaser, but he's just, you know, he's a positive guy and everybody attracts towards him and wants to be around him and wants to be his friend. So that's really cool as a teammate. Was there any ever, was there any ever like thought to going somewhere else where you would be maybe guaranteed? How about that? Yeah. And I missed the first part. Here's the first part of it. He, um, he's the first one in the building, last one out. Um, I think everybody would say the same thing. Um, hands down, one of the hardest workers on our team. First one in the building, last one out. That's two players saying the same thing. Yeah. Two different players, yeah. Prepares like the starter. So I wanted you to hear. Now, Kelvin Banks, I'm trying to remember what he said because Kelvin's, uh, let's see what he says here. Um, here's... Uh, Well, he, he, this is Kelvin Banks about um, how the offense might look or feel different uh, with Malik instead of Quinn. Uh, I feel it's no, it's no difference. I feel like uh, as a team, we trust we trust Quinn, we trust Malik, and we trust Arch. Uh, so, so it's kind of thing like we know what guys are going to do, and when they get in, we know what they're going to do. So it's kind of like there's no downfall. We all believe in, uh, believe in one another. How would you say he's different from Quinn? They have, you know, so everybody's not going to be the same. They, they definitely have their own different tangibles, but but I feel like um, they both can run the offense pretty well. What's going to impress you about Arch? Arch, uh, as uh, Taff was saying earlier in his interview, uh, he really loves the game of football. So so he can he can mess up on a play, and you can really tell us like aching at him, but he's definitely going to go back and make sure he fixes and correct all the things he's doing wrong. What's Taff yeah, like in the locker room? I mean, this is a former walk-on. Yeah. Kelvin Banks on Malik Murphy and Arch Manning. Yeah. Kelvin Banks. Um, yeah. Let me see if there's anything else I need to. Oh, you, you want to hear Kelvin Banks talking about uh, the Red Cat? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. This is uh, Kelvin Banks talking about Savion Red's success in the Red Cat. Yeah, uh, Savion brings a lot of energy. <laughs> even even off the field, Savion brings a lot of energy. <laughs> and just being able to 
being able to get that extra yards, extra two yards that we needed uh, in that game was very big. And then after the play, the energy he bringing, like getting all excited, you know what I'm saying? It gets everybody blood boiling. So he, he brings a, a very good energy to the team. It's wonderful, Paul. How, how personal do you take his offensive lineman when you have the struggle against OU? Oh, yeah. This is – that was a follow-up question. How personal do you take it when you have the struggles against OU when you have first and goal and you can't get in the end zone? Calvin Banks. That's, 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 it's a, definitely take it very personal. Yeah, like it's one yard. Like you got to get in. That's, that's like a, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's something that should be like e- easy as, uh, easy as uh, cutting the cake. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so if you take it very personal and uh, it was kind of thing we went day to day, like, hey, we can't let that happen again. And that's just as an O-line group talking to one another, not even with the coaches. Uh, just letting each other know, like, we got to get on the horses and let's go. What is that, Jonathan? Uh, I feel like and to the team, he's proven everything that we already knew he could do. Uh, but to the outside world, he's definitely proven a lot to show people um, who've doubted him, and you know what I'm saying. That you know what I'm saying, trying to trying to see like you know people doubting because B. John Roshan left and stuff, saying who's gonna take over a role or you know, something. But uh, I feel like he's been he's been proven a lot, like all the attributes and the tangibles that he know he has. He's just been proven to the world that he got it. Do you want to surprise him? No, no, we weren't surprised. We knew JB JB was a pretty good running back. I'm like, I mean, he surprised us a little, hadn't he? Just oh, a little. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Surprised me. I didn't expect this at all. Dude's breaking off big time runs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to get uh, our man John McClain on here in just a second. There we go. Um, but Zay, you want to. You want to tell the fine folks about Covert BK? Yes, sir. Shout out to Covert BK, the Covert Auto Group, family-owned auto group of, of automotive dealerships served in the greater Austin area for over 100 years. And they've been committed to providing customers with a high-quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. They got seven terrific brands in GMC, Buick, Cadillac, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, and Ram. So you're going to find what you want at Covert B cave and hey the 42 acres it's beautiful out there shout out to all the other covert auto groups around town and yeah if you need to go see what you want again christmas is coming up i'm gonna keep letting you know it's right around the corner don't be like me i'm a procrastinator when it comes to getting gifts i'm horrible at that i'll probably stay horrible at that that's why i have a wife that is terrific at that so you can go to covertbcave.com for all the latest specials and inventory and you can get ahead of the game and hell get the car now and say it's a christmas gift you know parents do that all the time sweet 16 coming up hey it might be in a few months but you see a deal now get it at covert b cave nobody beats a covert deal not now not ever all right let's uh let's bring on our man john mcclain talk some football some nfl some houston texans get his thoughts on the astros the one and only john mcclain john how you doing it's a dark cloud still over the city of Houston because they couldn't win one stinking game in the last two against the Rangers. Not only did they lose, they got pounded by the Rangers. And uh, and Astros were just awful at home this year, losing record. No team's ever had a losing record in the regular season at home and gone to a World Series, and they don't have to worry about that again. 
Man, yeah. it it sure looked good for the Astros after that Altuve home run um, last Friday. And then what is it about them at Minute Maid, John? Last year they were great at home when they won 106 games and blew through the World Series and uh, nobody can – Nobody can think anything about it. Even in 2000 and let's see, 19, when they lost first game, first team in history to lose all four games of World Series at home, they won 16 games at home that season. This season, they've been bad all along. It's amazing how good they were on the road. They won five of six at Seattle and Arizona in the last two series of the season. They won three at the Rangers, but they couldn't win at home. They had, I think it was 28 sellouts, and they were 7 to 21 at those sellouts. John, Dusty Baker retiring, obviously went in the ring last season with the Astros, but he's been around baseball for a very long time, especially in the show. What does it mean for the whole organization now that Dusty is stepping down, and who should they look at at maybe picking up? Nobody's surprised that Dusty walked away. He's 74. He said he wants to stay in baseball in an advisory capacity, but everybody says he wants to be on the West Coast. He lives outside Sacramento. He has a winery there that he spends a lot of time at, and the few times he gets a chance uh, being a manager of a baseball team. So I'm guessing he wants to get a job and offer some advice long distance, show up every once in a while. He's a great ambassador for the game. When the Astros hired him to get Stench off the organization, nobody had any idea that he would be able to do what he did with the Astros. They've been to the American League Championship Series seven consecutive seasons, one year off the Major League record of eight, uh, one off the Major League record of eight set by the Braves, and they're loaded. It's a great managerial job. Everybody's happy for Dusty that he walks away on his terms, a lot of people think Jeff Bagwell, a close advisor to the owner, Jim Crane, is going to have the biggest influence. No, the general manager, Dana Brown, will recommend to Jim Crane, and Crane will sign off on it. Joe Espada, bench coach, five years. People like him a lot. Omar Lopez, been in the organization since 99. He's the first base coach. He managed Venezuela in the World Baseball Classic, and uh, he's managed – in the Astros system. Uh, they should make a run at Craig Council from the Brewers. He's a great manager. His contract's up. Everybody thinks he's leaving. He wants to go somewhere where the team will spend a lot of money. His former boss, David Stearns, just went to the Mets, and everybody thinks he's going to the Mets because David, uh, I mean, uh, Steve Cohen will spend any amount of money up there. So, uh, there's talk about Brad Osmus. That's not a popular choice here, even though he was a popular player. He failed with the Tigers and the Angels. And, and, uh, but I think it'll be somebody who Dana Brown worked with in Atlanta or Toronto. As you guys know, Jim comes in. He's got a list of who he wants working with him. And uh, we know Dana Brown has one, so it won't surprise me at all if it's somebody from the Braves. And I tell you this, I would not get a first-timer unless he came from this organization because they have a veteran team that's used to competing for the world series every year. They have a way of doing things. And so I don't think a first timer can come over here and take a team like that, unless he's been in the organization like Joe Espada and Omar Lopez. John, the Texans have won three of four 
They are coming off an off week. Now they got the Carolina Panthers. What uh, what are you hearing about the Texans coming off the off week and and uh, and heading to Carolina? Texans favored by three and a half points last time. They were favored on the road, 2020 in Chicago, and they got hammered. The last time they were favored on the road and won was Thanksgiving of 2020 at Detroit. And people around here think with D'Amico Ryans, it's a different attitude, a different culture. And uh, I write columns every day for SportsRadio610.com, my Texans flagship, and uh, it's apparent to everyone. It's fun for people to come to work again. It's fun as a member of the media to go over there again. It's just positive vibes all around. The only game they've lost in their last four was on a field goal at Atlanta with no time left. And uh, Carolina wants to win this game, obviously, to uh, not be the last winless team. And the players have said they want to win for Bryce Young. Bryce Young's going up against C.J. Stroud. Stroud's been great, one of the best quarterbacks, not just a rookie quarterback. And Bryce Young struggled a little bit because he doesn't have much talent around him. But it's going to be a lot more fun than your usual game pitting. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Zero win teams and a three win team. John, how do you feel about the Texans right now just being three and three? We know Jacksonville, that's who they're always going to chase. But it seems like the confidence that they have with Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud and some of those defensive players on that side, they're just playing with very high confidence right now. And the Jaguars, they're not perfect, even though their offense is really good and Trevor Lawrence is getting better and better. Do you think they can maybe make a run at the title of AFC South? The Texans beat the hell out of the Jaguars in Jacksonville, and Jacksonville hasn't lost since then. They're five and two. If the Texans could win this game and show that they're over the hump, they're not going to have a letdown. They're not going to get the big head, but actually beat the Panthers. They're a good chance they're going to be five and three because they host Tampa the next week. They're already one of the biggest surprises. And if they were five and three, people started talking about D'Amico Ryan's for coach of the year. And it would be very well-deserved, even though there would be uh, another nine games to go. But that's why this game's important. The only thing they're not doing well is they're not getting sacks. They have nine last in the league, but they're plus six in turnover differential because the offense has committed a league-low three turnovers. Stroud has one interception. And their run defense has improved dramatically. They're giving up 18.8 points a game which is eighth in the league, and over the last three years, they've given up 26.7 points a game. And so they need to run the ball better, and they need to close the deal when they pressure quarterbacks. Their win rate as pass rushers, their pressure rate is really good. They're just not getting the quarterbacks down. They better do it. This would be a good time to do it against Bryce Young. And the running game, I'm guessing with two weeks to work on it, and the fact that Carolina's 31st against the run, also 
tied with Denver uh, for the most points allowed per game of 31. They should be able to have a balanced offense, and he should be able to run the ball well for the first time. If the linemen are all back, the starters, it'll be third game in a row. They've had the linemen, and that stability was missing early, but now that should benefit the running game. Talking to John McClain, as uh, as John said, he's writing columns left and right for SportsRadio610.com. And, John, one of your columns this week was about C.J. Stroud and and uh, and Bryce Young, two California guys who've known each other, you know, for a long time. Um, you know, tell us a little bit more about that relationship. And obviously things are going better for C.J. than they are for for Bryce and why you think that is. First time they played, things didn't go so well for C.J. He told us the story. They were in the seventh grade, and uh, Bryce played great. His team won. Stride was terrible. His team was awful. Now they're playing for the second time. They've become, starting in high school, they started becoming really good friends. Their families are friends. Their moms are really close. They uh, text a lot to see how the other one's doing, talking about the pitfalls of a rookie quarterback when they text and talk. It's a lot of times it's not about football. It's just about life and uh, being rookies in the NFL. And so uh, it was interesting because Stroud was really tight with Anthony Richardson and Richardson beat him. And he doesn't want to go 0-2 against his good friends who are rookie quarterbacks. And uh, at some point in December, I think he'll be playing against Will Levis from the Titans who's about to start. And uh, Stroud's played well because he hadn't turned it over. He's being coached really well. My offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, first-time coordinator, first-time play caller, came from the 49ers. And their quarterback coach, Gerard Johnson, who spends more time with him than anybody. Gerard played football at AM, and he was a good basketball player in Houston, and he was assistant QB coach at Minnesota when D'Amico Ryans called him. They've done a great job with Stroud. And the thing that impressed me the most, guys, he doesn't – he hasn't thrown the ball – into coverage. He'll throw it away. His completion percentage is 59%. That's too low. And one reason is they tell him, throw it away, live for the next play. So he does. And there have been several passes. I literally heard the people in the media go, oh, man, he was he was off on that one. And I'm, hey, you idiot. He threw it that way on purpose because <laughs> he didn't want to take a chance on it being intercepted. So he's very smart. And uh, the players like his leadership. And I'll tell you, when we talk to him every week, even though he's not going to stand and command the room, everything that comes out of his mouth is impressive. I walk away every time, so do other members of the media, thinking, man, that's so many ideas he's given us for columns or talk shows or Twitter, and uh, he's just been great so far. Yeah, definitely. Hey, John, you told us before the season even started, your Super Bowl pick was the Baltimore Ravens. And they're sitting at five and two on top of the AFC North, and they absolutely boat raced Chips Lions last week. How do you think they are doing? It looks like Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin are on the same page with that offense. Do you think they could keep it up and keep rolling? Last week, Zay, I said Detroit's best team in the NFC. What do I know? <laughs> Two weeks ago, I said San Francisco's best team in football. That's it's a week-to-week week league. Yeah, that's the first time the Ravens have looked great. Uh, the Texans lost in Baltimore the first game. First game, Jackson and Monken have been together. And I was uh, in Maryland over the weekend, and I was watching that game. 
And I had no idea it would be so decisive, so immediate. I didn't know the Lions are capable of playing like that again. And it wasn't so much Detroit as it was Baltimore. And there were a lot of creative things they did on offense. And I'm like, okay, that's why they brought Monken in there to take over that offense from Greg Roman. And that's one of the best games of Lamar Jackson's career. And if they can keep it up, I'm going to feel really good about that Super Bowl pick. Yeah. Yeah. My Lions got to get it back together on Monday night football this, uh, this week. But uh, John, what uh, I know you always have thoughts on the, well, I'll ask you about the 49ers first because my man Brock Purdy doesn't have Debo Samuel. And all of a sudden he's throwing interceptions like he did at Iowa state, or at least in games that matter at Iowa state. Um, Your thoughts on the 49ers, Brock Purdy, and where they stand in the NFC. Purdy looked terrible in the in the fourth quarter trying to bring them, them from behind. He hasn't had to do that a lot in his second season because the 49ers have so many playmakers. He didn't have Trent Williams, best tackle in football. Didn't have Debo Samuel. But every team has injuries. So he's going to have to make plays. And that's something he'll learn. I'm guessing he'll learn. He's going to be out now. Sam Darnold's going to play. Everybody says, well, what if Darnold plays well? Will he stay in? No. He's not going to stay in if Purdy's healthy. Kyle Shanahan loves Purdy. Doesn't mean he won't go to Darnold some point if Purdy keeps throwing interceptions like in the fourth quarter. But uh, they're too good to be bad. And I know a lot of people are picking them to lose, and that'd be three in a row. I just don't see it. Yeah. John, last night the Bills beat the Buccaneers on Thursday night football. And, you know, Josh Allen, though he's a little banged up with that shoulder, but on the other side for the Buccaneers, it's kind of what you've seen with Baker Mayfield through the course of his career. Just he'll show you flashes of why he was the number one pick, and then just it's like a roller coaster going down. It'll go downhill very fast. What do you think that they're going to do with him? Because I think they've lost four out of the last five. And it's not looking good for Tampa Bay, who just won a Super Bowl a few years ago with Tom Brady. I never thought the Bucs were a playoff contender. I picked uh, Atlanta to win that division. Most people pick New Orleans. Anybody can win it other than Carolina. But um, Buffalo, something's wrong. They got a screw loose. They're discombobulated. They're not the machine that they have been, the machine they were against Miami. You know, they were fabulous against Miami. Hang on. I got a cough. Sorry about that. They were were a monster on offense against Miami and defense. And it's got to be very frustrating for McDermott and uh, Bain, the GM, and as well as uh, the quarterback, Josh Allen. They can't run. They got at some point be able to run the football without Josh Allen running so much. You know, he's a big guy. He looked like a tight end. He takes a lot of hits. So far, he's been able to avoid going out. But over the course of a 17-game season and then hopefully the playoffs, that constant pounding beyond what a quarterback's just going to take in the pocket has got to wear on him. I would hate to think about how sore he is at the end of a season, but they haven't been able to get a running game going. Devin Singletary, their leading rusher the last three years, they let him sign with the Texans. They're ready to elevate James Cook, it hadn't worked out the way they want. They got so much talent. I think that uh, they'll bounce back. I think that they're they're built for bad weather. The Dolphins are not. When the Dolphins have start going where it's 
windy and where there's rain and sleet and snow, I don't think that great passing game throwing the ball down the field is going to work the way it does when the weather's nicer. Now they get the bills down in South Florida in December, I believe, and they'll probably get revenge, but it's a two team race and it's a fun one because they're two teams constructed exactly the opposite. John, when uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys also coming off an off week and they've got the Rams this week and, I don't know what to make of the Cowboys anymore. I mean, one week Dak looks good. The next week he doesn't. Um, Your thoughts on the Cowboys taking on the Rams? Cowboys should win this game. The Rams have a good offense, good passing game. Their running game's not worth a darn. Cooper Cup came back to play opposite Puka Nakua, who along with C.J. Stroud, the top rookies in the league. And I think – I think this Cowboys defense and Stroud being a Stroud, Stafford being a pocket passer, they got to be able to get him. They got to pressure him. They got to play the way they're capable of. Now they've played really well against some bad teams. Right now, you know, Philadelphia looks like it's gotten it together, but Jalen Hurts has a knee problem. And that may be the kind of thing that's going to bother him all season. Cowboys certainly not out of the race. They're one behind, I think. Uh in the NFC East, don't see the Giants or the Commanders being in that class as they are. It's going to be a great race. They're going to play each other two times still. Can't wait to see it because uh, not only just because it's it's amazing the way Philadelphia and Dallas has supplemented, has replaced Washington and Dallas as their top rivalry. I can't wait to see those two teams play. John, it seems like this season, when you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, Taylor Swift is involved, but they're out here at 6-1, and one, looking like a team that could maybe repeat. And Travis Kelsey, he looks good. It seems like Patrick Mahomes has found a wide receiver one with Rice. And then that defense with Christian Jones on the line and Trent McDuffie, the Washington alum, being one of the best young corners in the league. This does look like a team that could go back-to-back. It does. It hadn't been done since the Patriots in the early 2000s. And um, they lost that first game to Chips Lions, and and they rebounded and haven't lost one since. The stats were flashed last week for Travis Kelsey when Taylor Swift is there and she isn't there. And they're, they're so different. So if I – and every time she wants to show up, if I'm an opponent, I'm trying to – Set up her getting food poisoning, set up having a her limo having a flat, uh, something to keep Taylor Swift out. Now that'd be easier said than done on the road. It's gonna be tough in Kansas City, but uh when she's there, he's magnificent. And because she's best friends with Mahomes' wife, he knows he better get Kelsey the ball a lot. And when they get the ball to when they collaborate, they're still the best duo in the NFL. And I, I love the Taylor Swift story. A lot of old crummudgeons don't. I think it's great. Yeah, it's crazy. It is truly crazy. When are we uh, going to talk about Arch? I know he's not playing, but everybody in the country wants to see Arch. Everybody in the Big 12 wants to see. I told you, Chip. I Sorry about Malik Murphy. I know he's been there a year. The spread's gone up from 17 and a half to 20. But, man, oh, man, we want Arch. <laughs> Okay, so John, you you are like boys with Archie. Have you talked to him? I mean, 
I've only talked to Archie lately when, uh, when I retired from the Chronicle and he called me and we talked. And uh, at that point, I, I, uh, Archie had committed to UT and I know they have high hopes for him and, and they think he's special, but they've been very careful. You know, with Eli and Peyton, you know, they, they got all kind of publicity too. They were doing interviews. I know in 1998, when Peyton was a rookie, I went to New Orleans and did a series of stories on the Manning family and Peyton's coming out party, party and the second feature we had, big headline, Eli's coming. He was going into his senior year at Newman High School. And I asked Archie, I said, uh, can I talk to Eli? Sure. I'll even meet you at three o'clock on the steps in front of the school. I said, are you going to be there? He said, why? I said, I don't know. He's a high school kid. He said he can handle himself. And he did. But they've been really careful with Arch. And he he is Cooper, the oldest son's son. And uh, Archie always gives advice when he's asked in the family. So they have set it up the way they did for a reason. But boy, once he's in that lineup, and does Sarkeesian have a policy against freshmen talking like some head coaches? Yeah, unless they play. Unless they well, play okay. the game. A lot of them don't even want them to talk, period, if they're freshmen. So we want Arch, and then Arch is going to have to talk. You know he's going to be great. You know he's every Manning family member is a great talker. Cooper's the best, and he doesn't even play football anymore. And I love that family. I just I can't wait to see Arch Manning and uh, can't wait to see him in the SEC where I don't have to worry about him going against Baylor. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We got uh, we got some Arch Malik Murphy talk with uh, with John McClain. I love it. I was going to ask you about. Well, no, I know Zay's going to ask you about the Rockets, but I was going to ask you what you thought of the Lions. Raiders game on Monday night. Oh, the Lions I, are going to beat the hell out of them. Okay, the Raiders right. are not very good, and the Lions got to – I'll guarantee you Dan Campbell will have them frothing at the mouth coming back after they got bullied and bloodied in Baltimore. And I think, uh, I think another example of Josh McDaniels, being a better offensive coordinator when he had Tom Brady than as a head coach, I think uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's not gone after the year because the Raiders are a huge disappointment. Yeah. yeah. Did you cover Dan Campbell when he was at A and M? No, nope. I never covered any college. He sports. was he was a quote machine. And I everybody loves the guy. Oh, everybody yeah. says, well, what if Dan Campbell and Mike Vrabel got in the octagon? And uh, <laughs> I think, well, that'd be great. They'd both beat the heck out of each other and pass out. And I think Campbell's great. The media loves him up there. The fans love him. I can't wait till the Thanksgiving game. They've got a waiting list for tickets now, as you know, Chip. Haven't won but one playoff game since the 50s and haven't won that in 30 years. So I think it's a great story. I love the Lions. I think it's great for the NFL. Wouldn't bother me at all if they weren't in the Super Bowl. You know, if I they went... weren't, wouldn't bother me at all if they are in the Super Bowl. I went to the Tampa game on Texas's off week. There was so much blue in the stadium and leaving Raymond James, it was all go lions go in the concourse on the way out. It was crazy. You'd have That's thought it was at Kansas city. Yeah. For that first game, they'd taken over a big part of Arrowhead stadium. And think about it like you, if you, 
if you had a normal job, you didn't have to work odd hours every day. You might be traveling around with them too. I think it's the best story in the NFL is the rise of the Detroit Lions. How about that, Zay? I hear Enjoy it while you can because they're going to lose both coordinators to head coaching jobs. Oh, All right. that hurt. All right, John, since Chip mentioned it, the Rockets, man, they got M.A. Udoka in from Boston, which if it was Boston's choice, they wouldn't have gotten rid of him, but it just seemed like all the baggage that he had up there, they had no choice, and the Rockets picked him up. And I know he's a good basketball mind, but what does he bring to that organization? They got the Thompson twin there in the draft. They brought in Van Vliet from, you know, uh, the Toronto, and they brought in Brooks and stuff. They're on the up and up, but they're still a long way from being a playoff contender. What does M.A. Udoka bring? I was shocked when they stunk it up as bad as they did in their first game. I'm fired up about the Rockets. They've been the worst team in the league the last three years under Steven Silas. They've been stockpiling first-round picks, high first-round picks. They had two this year. People are pumped about them. They've got veterans, you know – Jabari Smith was supposed to be the first overall pick last year, and then they took Orlando took Paolo and Bancaro, and the Rockets got him. And he tore it up out at uh, Las Vegas, the league they have in Las Vegas every year. And then they looked really good in preseason games. And I'm not saying they were going to win the first game, but, my God, they got blown away. And what I like about him at Doka is when he was hired, after he had the scandal and got fired in Boston, uh, I started getting on the internet and watching ESPN and listening to NBA radio to hear what all the experts say about him. And it, it met with universal praise and their defense has been terrible as they've been growing. It's he's got to find a way to get those guys to gel because they all want the ball. They're all capable of scoring, as Hubie Brown says, scoring the basketball, which I think is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. They're all capable of scoring the basketball. So it's his job to get them to mesh. And, you know, he worked for Pop, comes highly recommended for him. So I think they got the right guy. Don't know if they got uh, the right GM, Rafael Stone, who didn't have a basketball background. I hope he's giving Doka a big say in personnel. You know, Tillman Fertitta showed a lot of, patience with Steven Silos, but they were just, they were just awful. And getting Van Vliet in there was great because it's like a salad with too much green is not good. And they get him in here to be the point guard and they needed experience. And so people are fired up. I'm guessing they'll bounce back, may take them a while to jail and they need to get some confidence because they've been beaten down to be so bad these last three years. They need him to do for the Rockets what D'Amico Ryans has done for the Texans. You change the culture. That means attitude. You help build up confidence, and it's contagious. And I think we'll see them at some point. We'll go, aha, that's why they brought in Adoka, because that's what he's capable of doing, and we'll see the Rockets start to improve. All right, John, we'll let you go on this huge showdown tomorrow in Waco between the (laughs) – Second place Iowa State Hawkeyes, or Iowa State Cyclones, for God's sake, um, taking on your Baylor Bears. You're going to be there, and what do you see happening in this one? I haven't been to a Baylor game in years. 
I'm so bummed about Baylor right now, the way they're playing, their lack of talent, their lack of talent up front. They're, they're not getting into the NIL game like other schools have, and it shows. They should win. It's homecoming. That's all I know. And, uh, and so it's, they're going to finish near the bottom of the Big 12. Iowa State, racked by that gambling scandal, cost them their quarterback and some other players. It'd be embarrassing to lose a team that went through what uh, Matt Campbell's team went through. But it won't surprise me if Iowa State wins that game. Yeah, Iowa State favored by two and a half at Baylor, but Baylor's been good against Iowa State. This will be this will be That's when they had some talent. <laughs> I watched last night Virginia Tech and their transfer from Baylor, Kyron Jones. Kyron uh gosh, what's his name? Kyron, uh, my mind's gone blank. And uh quarterback transferred there and he was great. And then I look at Austin Novosad, who was a recruit from Dripping Springs, who decommitted and went to Oregon, got all that NIL money from Phil Knight and uh, Kyron Drones, that's his name. And uh, and so it makes me sick because Blake Shapin, he's, you know, he's nothing special. They don't have anything behind him. And if you don't have an offensive line, and the Longhorns got an offensive line, if you don't have an offensive line, you've got no chance, which the Longhorns exposed on Baylor this season. Now other teams are doing it as well, but you've got to spread that NIL money around on those linemen before you start recruiting the skill position players. John McClain, NFL Hall of Fame voter, multi-days-a-week columnist for SportsRadio610.com. John, anything else we need to plug? Nope, that's it. All my mattress Max says, all my columns are free, free, free. (laughs) <laughs> well, real quick on Mattress Mac, how did that, I mean, he kind of, I mean, he's always betting on the Astros. Is he Is he okay? Has anyone checked on him? <laughs> he and I do a weekly video every Monday. He's doing fine because going back to after last season, if you spent $4,000 on furniture and the Astros win a World Series, then you get it free, free, free. <laughs> People have been buying that furniture for seven months. Wow. He's not going to the poor house. He's not going to the poor house. All right. John, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks very much, guys. I enjoyed it as always. All right, John. John Appreciate you bringing it. That's good stuff. How about John McClain? Arch Manning. When are we going to talk about Arch? I told you national media is going to do this. I told you it doesn't get much bigger than John McClain. If he's saying it, who's not saying it? And it's like, dude, Malik Murphy, I I hope you have the toughest skin in the world, my dude, because a lot of people don't want to see you win. Texas fans do because they want to see their team win. But national media, they can't wait for Arch Manning to get in there because it's a hell of a story. It just is. And again, this goes to Malik Murphy's just mental toughness. The fact that he stayed with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning coming in and all, you know, being offered by Florida and Auburn after the spring game. The fact that he stayed, 
I got to salute the guy. Like, that takes some serious mental toughness. And he obviously loved the university. You hear Michael Taft, Benda, and all the guys talk how highly of him and stuff. But I told you, that's what worries me. Like, is he going to feel that pressure to where it's like, I have to perform because my leash is so damn short <laughs> that – this arch guy could come and take my spot on any mistake that I make. I hope not. I hope he has an easy mind. I hope Sark makes it very easy for him to go out there and produce along with the rest of the team. But John McClain saying that is the biggest worry that I've had kind of coming into this. Just like can Malik Murphy handle all that pressure that's going to be thrown at him starting tomorrow. Yeah. Oh boy. All right, let me tell you real quick. We haven't even scratched the surface with Great Blue Heron Furniture. I mean, you go to you go to greatbluehairandfurniture.com. You can design your own furniture. Like you want bar stools, you want a recliner, you want a chair and a half, you want a couch. They have um, consulting. It, it's free. You just go onto the website, schedule your free furniture design. So if you know exactly what you want for your living room or your whatever room, um, this is custom made leather furniture, uh, but they've got tables. They've got everything. You just need to go to the website. Great blue hair and furniture. This is the best constructed furniture you're going to find. And they've got every kind of leather that you would want for chairs, chairs and a half, love seats, couches, bar stools, bar stools, kids, um, great blue hair And don't forget that to use the promo code hook them, you're going to get 15% off. And look, you want to get a new couch for your loved one for Christmas. Now's the time to order so that it's going to get in on time great blue hair and furniture.com and while we're you know talking about furniture you can get your great blue hair and furniture to sit and look at your brand new big screen from audiovisual consultations i mean don't don't even think about going to the box store to to buy a big screen you just let my man tom mckay and his crew bring everything to you from the free consultation to installation He's going to bring you the best price on big screen, surround sound, all the highest end technology, new lighting, electronic shades, surveillance. Tom's been doing it for all your favorite restaurants in Austin. He's done it three different houses for me, uh, for BK, a couple different houses, avconsultations.com. But just make that one phone call, 255-8678, and let Tom and his crew bring everything to you. And uh, and don't forget to get to laststandhats.com to check out the Texas Sports Unfiltered merch, laststandhats.com. All right, Zay, I'll give you a quick chip shot here because we're up against it. But, Steve Sarkeesian, we are counting on you to perform an exorcism tomorrow at 2.30. An exorcism of all the BYU nightmares that Texas fans have had around here for the last 10 to 15 years. BYU has the best record of any opponent against Texas who've played five times. BYU is four and one. 
They beat the dog out of Texas in the 80s when David McWilliams was the coach. And they did a two-for-one under Mac Brown. And yes, Texas won the game at home in 2011, but that was the game where Garrett Gilbert got hurt and he packed it in, took 22 hours and transferred the bleep out of Texas because the fans hated him. And it was ridiculous because Mac is the one who changed the offense, but they, Texas did win that game 17-16. It was a skin of your teeth game. And then when they played the other two in the two-for-one, um, in Provo in 2013, that was the Manny Diaz massacre when BYU ran for ran for 550 yards and Taysom Hill ran for 265. And Manny Diaz got fired the next day. And then they and then Mac got fired. And then Charlie Strong got hired. And Taysom Hill came to Austin and beat Texas worse. 41 to 7. Hurdle Dylan Haynes at the five. So listen, Steve, Steven, you played at BYU. You led BYU to a 14 and one season in 1996. You have the secret sauce. You know how to get through and un, you know, unhinge these Mormons. Yeah. Get that lasso out. <laughs> get and, that lasso out. And, and throw that lasso around all these 25 year old grown men, Mormon missionaries who have bills to pay and are pissed off. You've got the secret sauce. You know how to perform the exorcism to get rid of these BYU nightmares that Texas fans have had. They're tired of it. Steve Sarkeesian, we are counting on you. You were one of them. Now you're a Longhorn. Perform the exorcism tomorrow at 2.30 so that people can start to rest a little easier whenever they hear those three letters. B-Y-U. All right. Now it's time for me to turn it over to my man, Zay. Yeah, right I'm with up. that, man. Hey, this was one of the biggest games of Sark's Texas career as a coach. Is he going to be able to put Malik Murphy in the right spot to be productive out there? Because the first two years, nobody was necessarily expecting you to win a Big 12 championship, even though that's always the expectation at Texas. And just this year, it is for sure, still even with Malik Murphy coming in uh, for Quinn Ewers. So Sark, you got to be on point, man. You can't have no fake field goal situations when you're leading by 21 and end up only winning by seven to a team that, Hey, Houston, they play hard. Dave Aranda, I know he won. I mean, uh, yeah, he I know he won that game, but Dana Holgerson, excuse me, but uh, it's just last week shouldn't have happened. And this week, you have a chance to redeem yourself at home where we've seen this Texas team struggle at times besides Kansas. And, yeah, I'm expecting a big game from everybody. The secondary, you know, PK and this team. You talk about Anthony Hill being more on the edge more. I'm all the way with that. Like, you got to get that guy more involved in some spicy stuff. Like, this ain't the same three quarterbacks that you face where Jason Bean can run, Dylan Gabriel can run, and then you go last week with Donovan Smith who has running ability. Keaton Slovis, he wants to stand in the pocket and try to pick your defense apart. And you got to be able to 
live up to that challenge. Keaton Crawford, Jaron Thompson, if you, you guys are going to play that slot position, well, y'all got to be better. Point blank. Y'all are playing it. Y'all got to be better. If you got to throw Jalen Gilbo in there, so be it. Jale Barron, if you got to put that dude everywhere on the field. Hell, maybe even that linebacker, damn it. If it works, do it. Jade Barron, he's so talented. The dude had a bum ankle last week and was still making plays. Maybe the play of the game with that fourth down stop to end the game against Houston. So, yeah, that's Ryan Watts coming back's big. Like, this is a huge game, even though a lot of national media people might not think so. And then you've got John McClain coming on talking about when's Arch Manning going to come in. So this game, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting game to watch. And yeah, like Texas, they have all their goals still ahead of them. Let's see if they could keep those goals intact with a dub against the Cougars starting at 2.30 this Saturday. Yeah. All right. Before we get to the right call with Zay Collier, um, Brain Vault. How about this? This is the best mouth guard you can get. And it's about the fit. It's about the fit. Some of those mouth guards, like if you're my age, I don't know what Zay was wearing, but some of those mouth guards were so hard and so tough. Like, you know, you'd boil them and then you'd fit them. And, and then by the time you put them in your mouth, they're like scraping your gums. You're like, it's awful. The fit of the brain vault mouth guard is unbelievable. It's like pillows on your teeth. And yet it's patented to protect you against the effects of concussion and brain vaults, you know, Bijan Robinson wears it guys in the NFL have been wearing it for a couple of years, but look, if you have a, you know, high school student who's playing lacrosse, rugby, soccer, basketball, baseball, cheerleading, you know, the cheerleaders are going up in the air, standing on guys shoulders and stuff. And then when they flip down, sometimes they get knocked around. And they have mouth guards where the cheerleaders can wear them on their lower teeth so that they're smiling pretty and everything. And they do group fittings. This is our man, Dr. Greg Eckert, Dr. U-E-C-K-E-R-T.com, um, Austin's dentist. But Brain Vault is exploding as the mouth guard for all the athletes. And they do group fittings. All you have to do is go to brainvault.com and set up your fitting your group fitting they'll come to you that's what it's all about that's customer go. service and you know who else gives you customer service right here on chip and zay my man zay the right call call your let's get it let's get it all right chip the right call today a little doomsday man but it doesn't have to do with the oh, texas longhorns it doesn't it. have to do with the texas longhorns Two let me make hours. that very clear Oh. Make that very clear. So, all right, no, no doomsday about the long. No doomsday about the horns, but I, I'm, I think I'm finally getting old with some of my thoughts, Chip, because I've been so against a lot of old head talk, especially with the NBA. And a lot of old heads, they love to talk about, you know, back during our day, the Magic Bird era, nobody liked each other. Oh, yeah, nobody, Pistons. Yeah, nobody was friends with the opponents, which that's bogus to me. Like Urban Magic Johnson and Isaiah Zeke Thomas were kissing each other before tip-off, like kissing each other on cheek. Wow, like, come on, what kind of sassy shit is that? Don't tell me about guys being tough and guys not being friends. Like, 
they were friends back then. It was just an era where you could knock somebody on their ass and it might just be a personal foul instead of guys getting ejected for five games. So that's the difference. Let's differentiate that. But I saw something today that exactly, uh, Israel, no, no blood, no foul. I saw something today, Chip. I almost lost my mind. Uh-oh. And look, you could be friends with guys. I'm fine with that, especially in AAU culture. Like these guys grow up playing with one another. They go to college together and stuff. Like the camaraderie, it's a lot different, especially with technology and phones and stuff. It's easy to be in contact with people. You heard John McClain talk about CJ Stroud and Bryce Young's friendship. You see that all around sports, not just the NBA. But there has to be a place where you draw the line. You know, Michael Jordan, most iconic basketball player ever, might be the most iconic athlete ever. His shoe, as magical and legendary as it gets. All his shoes. The shoe line that Nike created, he then then got his own brand. There were players during the Jordan era that would wear Jordans, but you weren't seeing Barkley do it. You weren't seeing Patrick Ewan do it. You know, those guys... The big-time players, they weren't rocking Jordans when he retired. Then you saw guys like Reggie Miller and bigger-name guys wearing them. But during Jordan's hey, you weren't wearing his shoes. You you definitely weren't a part of the Jordan brand to where you always wore the shoes because you didn't want to let Michael know, who was very competitive and always wanted that edge, that he had you like, oh, you wearing my shoes? Oh, you my son. You know, you a baby to me. You ain't shit. Like, you don't want that because he's already going to have the advantage because he's Michael Jordan. You don't need to give him any more ammo to, you know, prove him right. But, Chip, what I saw today with De'Aaron Fox, Sacramento Kings point guard, a Houston kid, went to Cy Lakes, and, of course, Rick Barnes had no chance of getting them because he ended up playing for John Calipari at Kentucky. This dude has signed a shoe deal with Steph Curry and the Curry brand. And uh, this is one of the weakest things I've ever seen in professional sports. Like, De'Aaron Fox, you're a really good player, man. You're an all-star guy. You, your team was better than Steph's during the regular season. They were a three-seed, the Sacramento Kings. The Warriors were a six. The Warriors beat the Kings in the playoffs in game seven. Steph Curry had a ridiculous game. And those guys, they're both point guards, so they match up with one another a lot, even though Steph Curry's not a defender and he probably doesn't have the assignment of guarding Fox. They match up a lot just because they play the position. But, dude, I don't get it. Like, this is one of the weakest moves I've seen. All the shoe brands out there, Converse is still around, Chip. The Chuck Taylors that I know you were probably rocking back in the day. I still rock, too. You know, Tony's. Open them. Yeah. Tony's and Reeboks. That's what I'm saying. Reason- you just muted yourself. Again, too hype. Uh, Adidas is still around. Like, obviously, Nike. Oh, there's some big-time brands that De'Aaron Fox could have chosen from. But to sign with a rival? Again, Sacramento Kings, Golden State Warriors. That's like an hour flight. That's both in Northern California. Like, that's a big-time rivalry. Maybe not for the Warriors because they always win. But for Kings fans, that's a I huge love. rivalry. I love that this has got you all worked up. Because it's soft, man. 
it's a soft move. Like Steph Curry should be the enemy. Yes, you have. What if what if the money's right? I don't care. You're already making millions. You're already making millions. I don't care. I know it's. I know that rent and those mortgages are high in Northern California. I know. I get that. But you have to draw the line somewhere. It's not like De'Aaron Fox can't get a deal from someone else. He's a good player. He's an all-star player. He's the best player on the Sacramento Kings. But to sign with Steph Curry's brand, he's the first is this contract player. about to be up? Is he trying to play for the Warriors? I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. But it's it's depressing because, again, it, it kind of waters down the game that I grew up loving. Like, every time I see that matchup, I'm going to think, oh, man, Steph Curry, you're his son, Darren Fox. Like, that's what you are. You are his son. Like, it. he changed the diaper type of shit. Like, because it's not – if they would have beaten Steph Curry in them, then maybe I might feel a little different. But Steph Curry killed those dudes in the playoffs. And if I'm a Sacramento Kings fan, if I'm a Sacramento Kings teammate of De'Aaron Fox, I have a problem with that. I'm going to okay. have to All check right. it. All right. I got I to gotta break in here. Go ahead. We're running up against it. And I got to get your prediction for, for Texas BYU. But real quick, it is Friday, kids, which means you need to make your plans right now for Monday night football and Monday night all night happy hour at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Okay, so if you go in for happy hour, and happy hour is every day from 3.30 to 6.30, so you could, like, as soon as you get done listening to us, you know, start heading in your car over to Salt Traders. They got the Zilker location in Austin, up there at Round Rock at um, you know, right there here, I'm just going to take my favorite thing. I mean, I've got several favorite thing on the beginnings menu. Remember you get $5 off just this menu. This is just the beginning menu. The smoked fish dip is unbelievable. The new Orleans barbecue shrimp is like to die for the chowda fries, clams, leeks, and bacon on your fries. It's unbelievable. The pot stickers, grilled oysters. How about a half dozen grilled oysters? You're getting $5 off that. Steamed mussels, $5. It's 14 bucks. You're getting $5 off. You're getting it for $9. Are you kidding me? You need to be going to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking all the time at the Zilker location in Austin and up in Round Rock. All right, Zay, I got Texas 28, BYU 17. What say you, my friend? Yeah, we're close. I got Texas 24, BYU 17. 24-17. Yep, it's going to be a grind, man, in my opinion. I hope it's not. I hope they prove me wrong and blow it open and have a stress-free game. But, yeah, I I don't have as much confidence that I did after Alabama and Wyoming with this defense. And as good as Malik Murphy can be or could be um, – I think that it could get difficult for them. I think this BYU team is pretty solid when they play well. And the lack of pressure that we've seen with this front line for Texas, I don't know with the ability that these quarterbacks have of getting the ball out their hands, I don't know if they'll be able to get to Keaton Slovis at a consistent rate. So 24-17, that sounds safe for me. Yeah. What happened to Texas, the fourth quarter team? The team that was putting 21 on everyone, put 21 on Alabama in the fourth quarter. But they were average, they had like four straight games with a 21-point quarter in it. I mean, 21 in the last quarter against Wyoming. And then last week, it's hang on for dear life in the fourth quarter. I'm just saying. I see yeah. my 
I see our man, Trey, Trey Elling. Trey, where the hell did Texas, the fourth quarter team go? Can that come back tomorrow? Yeah, I think it should. I think that involves this Texas offense grinding out some drives early on and slowly wearing that BYU defense down to make things much easier for them in the second half, giving Malik Murphy or Arch Manning, whoever happens to be in the game at that time, more open looks. And this Texas defense needs to force some uh, some quick three and outs, which they were much better at uh, up until these last couple of games. So I think the combination of those two game, those two things – will help us see a, a Texas team that we were all claiming to be a, a really well-conditioned team, which I think they still are, uh, just because of how much they were beating the opposition down in the fourth quarter. Jeff Howe. What's up, guys? In the up, building. Hey, hey, Chip, we, you and I haven't talked about this, uh, but I want to get your thoughts on this real quick before you get out of here. So we were talking just as a staff, as a Horns 24-7 staff last week for the Houston game, and in hindsight – because uh, trust me, if you go back to like listen to like last Friday's show when I wasn't, you know, talking about my love for the Macintosh Apple, I was talking about the, the Houston game uh, in not so glowing terms for U of H. But when you, you get into things like, hey, we're going to we're gonna only going to play this guy in case of an emergency or we'll play this guy. And then if we get a lead, we'll you know, we'll take him out. That that borders on disrespecting the opponent. And I just feel like as a staff, when you start doing that stuff, you lose sight of winning the game like doing your job so i don't know if there's if we get a vibe of less of that tomorrow and i think it's more kind of an all hands on deck week this week anyway i i I don't want to say better prepared but i think you'll see a more focused team throughout that mental intensity yeah i I like to call a sense of urgency uh i think you'll see that prolonged whereas you only saw it for about the first 16, 17 minutes last week. And Steve Sarkeesian was one of them. He's going to perform an exorcism on our BYU nightmares tomorrow (laughs) at 2.30. That's what I called on in the chip shot today. I need Steve Sarkeesian, whether it's that lasso move. What is that? What is that? Somebody got to let me know. Trey, have you seen the clips that Texas – uh, social media team put out of Sark's highlights back in the day. He's doing a weird lasso celebration when he was playing quarterback for BYU. It's a little suspect, but I think it's you better not get after any player for having a celebration. Ever. Hey, it's got that's some Texas flavor, though. I, I'm good with the lasso. I mean, that's we're going calf rope in here. Are we sure but... that's not like some sort of round up all the husband wives signal? <laughs> There's Hello. There's there's three items of clothing Sark doesn't need to wear ever again. I can just tell you that much. Speaking on that, Zay, he doesn't need to wear the the Burger King pants that he wore before the OU game two years ago. Yeah, Sark's not really a baseball cap guy on the sideline either. Some people could pull off the hat like Chip. I I see you with the hat enough to where it's like doesn't shock me, doesn't bother me when you wear a hat. Thank you. Uh, Sark's not really a visor guy either, so I would say cap slash visor. Sark doesn't need to do it. And after the Alamo Bowl, Sark sure as hell doesn't need to wear a cowboy hat ever again. Again, mm, yeah. some people could pull the cowboy hat off. But Sark can pull a lot of things off that we can't, that some of us can't. The cowboy hat just is not, it's not him. Hey, yeah, what do we think of his sunglasses? Because he's definitely a sunglasses guy. He's definitely a sunglasses guy. Yeah, Sark can pull off shades, different kinds of shades. Yeah. Hey, yeah. L'Oreal says wear it. You better wear it, damn oh, it. Yeah. 
Because yeah. Kingsbury wore the Ray Bans. But you know, is they the Burger King pants have not they haven't shown themselves again. Yeah. The fact that you're calling them Burger King pants mean they should be burned out of his closet. <laughs> and then they look like a Burger King bag. Like tell call tell L'Oreal that you call them the Burger King pants, and she'll be like, Oh my God, they are going straight to Goodwill as of this moment. <laughs> they probably they probably already are there. Or he honest. could auction them off and give the money to the Ronald McDonald house or something. You know, the Sark do stuff like people in Gen Pop do. Like, will he cut cut them down and like make like some shorts and mow the grass with them or something? <laughs> you know, I, that would be acceptable, right? That's like I don't know, man. That's one of those deals, Trey. I don't know where you fall in. That. I have a hard time believing like rich eccentric people just do down home stuff like the rest of us do. Mm, yeah, I guess it depends on if he turns it into uh, like a car wash rag, or maybe the uh, like the the pants version yeah. of the jorts. If you're going to cut yeah. them into shorts, but I think he probably just throws those things away. Probably. They have no good use. Speaking on that, real quick, uh, this blew my mind when I was in high school. I think I was a junior. Uh, one of the girls in my science class said she had a friend that was our age. The family was so well off. The girl had never had Kool Aid and had never eaten macaroni and cheese. <laughs> That's how well-to-do eccentric that family was. I'm like, it's no family I ever want to be a part of. No. Man. I got I'm a fresh batch of Kool-Aid in the fridge right now, Jeff. Come on. I, man. man, I haven't had I haven't it's been Is it red? Yeah, always yeah. red. Always, always red. red. Back always when my red. wife and I were having to like, you know, pull pull quarters and change out of the couch to pay the electric bill. It's probably the last time I had Kool-Aid. So it's probably been about 15 years yeah. since I've had Kool-Aid. I could be the richest man in the world. I always have Kool-Aid. Never forget your roots, Jeff. Never get your <laughs> roots. Get to the roots. That's right. Hey, you ever seen that movie Fast Break with Gabe Kaplan? No. Oh, oh. Zay, that's your homework assignment. That's your All homework right. assignment. If it ain't free, I ain't watching it. So well, Okay, we got to figure this out. Okay, all right. If I don't got it on Netflix or something, it's got to be on one of your. It's got to be on one of your streaming services. Okay, it's called called Fast Break, and Gabe Kaplan is the head coach at Cadwallader U, and Bernard King is in this movie, (laughs) and it's hilarious. Like I'm not even doing it justice, but there is a great scene in this movie where these two white guys are going up to Bernard King and going, do you know who the first black player in the NBA was? And Bernard King is like, no, man. Do you know who the first white player in the NBA was? And they were like, oh. And he's like, got to get to the roots, boy. Get down. (laughs) It is so good. Oh, my God. I mean, okay. I'll leave on that. I've... Yeah, but I'll see fast break. Fast break. Right. Zay Bernard King's knee health is like in 2023. Uh, oh, can't be good. He's had knee replacement and he's bouncing around on some titanium, you know. He and Fat Levor in some sort of weird competition <laughs> to who could have the worst knees by the end of the 1980s. <laughs> God. Yeah, he was a bucket though. He was a bucket. Oh, he yeah. better bucket. than like Sam Bowie's shins or Bill Walton's knees. Yeah, Bill yeah. Walton's everything. Yeah, Bill Walton's eat. <laughs> All right, fellas. Have a good show. Appreciate it. Great y'all. show. Have a great weekend. Chip, I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.